Welcome to this new episode of Le Podcast. Le Podcast equips you to make positive change in your organization. I'm Alex Simonville. Thank you for listening. Hello, today I am with Julien Danjou. Julien is an open source software hacker. And uh, we will see what it means. And he's also the author of two books uh, about Python, not the animals, but he will explain that better than me. Julien, really nice to have you here. Can you tell us more about you? Yeah, thanks, Alexi. Um, yeah, so yeah, as, as you said, I wrote two books, but uh, I've been doing like open source software development for uh, close to 20 years now. Yeah. And um, so I and, I, and I've found uh, Python, uh, the Python language. So it's a programming language, not an animal, a snake, like you were saying, uh, like maybe 13 years ago now, and I uh, started to play with that. And, and as since uh, it was my early beginning of career as an engineer, uh, became a software engineer uh, that way, learning Python and, and climbing all the steps of learning the language and, and ending up now as working as a software engineer at Datadog, where I write Python and I work in the profiling team. So my job is like um, uh, writing profiler, which is a tool that you use to make your, basically to know what your application does and with the goal to make it faster at the end. Uh, so that's what I do currently. Excellent. Julian, I remember one time we had, a, uh, I think I've seen a conversation on Twitter about something around 10X engineers. Right. And I would like your opinion about that. Have you met 10X engineers? No. Yeah, I remember that conversation. So there was a, a lot of uh, noise on Twitter about people saying, yeah, I never met a 10x engineer. And uh, yeah, I made that joke where uh, I met like uh, divided by 10 engineers, like slash 10 engineers. Um, no, no, I don't think that exists at all. And then that's what everybody's saying nowadays. I think it's what happens is that if you find some type of engineers and you put them through like in a context where they can do whatever they want and they can cut corners and they can do the trade-off that they want. That can be pretty efficient. And if you don't, you don't know anything about engineering, you can be impressed and say, oh, it is very fast and it is very efficient. So it's probably a ninja and a tennis engineer. But like among us, I think engineers, and I don't want to talk for everyone, but uh, I don't think that is it. You have, you have junior engineers, you have more senior people, and you have a context that makes people efficient or not, or, or happy to work or not. The context is important, and what the context in which you will work is important. Of course, when you say, if we if you create a context where you can cut corners and, uh, and don't care about anything, you can go fast. Uh, which sounds really crazy, scary because then I guess you will have some troubles to maintain the software. Yeah, that's that, yeah, uh, that's exactly it. It's like if if you are in the context of a startup where like you're the first engineer on board, like you 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 even maybe you were founder or or you were the first engineer in a in a team or a startup that is not technical. Yeah, you have a founder or two founders that are not technical, so they don't know anything about engineering, and they hire you and and you're pretty good, and they say, hey, go ahead, do anything you want. And if you don't care, it works. I mean, especially when you're like junior or mid-junior and you don't really think about long-term because you, you don't have a lot of experience maintaining software or maintaining platforms or whatever you're doing. And you figure, it's fine. I'm not going to write documentation or functional tests or whatever. So you can go very fast. And, and it's like the old saying, right? 
I mean, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to, to, to go far, go together. And, and if you don't think about that, and you are in a context where nobody is going to think about that for you because you're, you're quite maybe junior and you're a context which is like startup, go fast, we don't care, time to market is important, etc. Well, you can be impressive. And, and what happens is when, when the team is going to grow and when they start hire the second engineer, the rest of the engineering team, they're going to say, oh, they're pretty slow compared to you, right? I mean, yeah, you were very, very fast. You are a 10x engineer compared to them. But the context is, is totally different, right? I mean, you were alone, you were going fast, and now you have a full team of people trying to make a software, a platform that's going, I mean, supposed to last and to serve the customers and an amount of customers is going to grow. So you have to scale, you have to make different trade-offs. I mean, I, I see that like every day at Datadog where it's a company that, there were like 500 people two years ago and, and now we are like uh, three times more and everything's different. Like we have to scale more the system. We have to, we can't go through, I mean, we can't cut corners anymore. We, we have a lot of things to do and we can't be the, the same 10X engineer we were like three years ago. Well, you, you said something about uh, going together and uh, working together. What, what do you think about, yeah, some people see the software engineering work as already uh, uh, the lonely wolf work. When you said together, I think you 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 mean that collaboration is something important. Uh, how it works? Right. I, I think. I mean, the older I get, the more I think that like software. It's 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 not really about engineering. It's more about like the social organization of people and what they do and what we try to what we try to produce at the end. So. Engineers are just a bunch of people that like to solve puzzles and problems. So if you give them anything to solve, being technical or not, they're going to try to solve it with their engineering means. And you can you can be you can do that alone. Uh, it works with a lot of people that don't want to work in a, in a team that prefer to work alone, and, and that is fine. If you know that, if you're aware of that, and, and you like manage to work that way, you, you you see a lot of of freelance consultant out there or or independent contractor doing that way and working with it because they're happy that way and that's good. I mean, it's it's not a problem, but if you want to build a company, for example, with a lot of software, mentioning stuff uh, in the long term, you can't really do that alone. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, there's only 24 hours a day, right? So if you really want to grow and, and build something, you usually need a team. And and it's it's a, a dynamic that is very different from being alone because you have to learn a lot of social skills, which is not something engineers in general are. I think, at least from my experience, they don't learn that at school. Like, or you're supposed to work in a team. You, you learn a lot about managing projects, but not about managing uh, people in in the social and human terms. That is, I did not learn that. And it's it's really different. I mean, it's a different kind of. Uh, um, of problems you're going to solve, and it's not technical. And I'm not, not even talking about like if you're a manager, if you're a manager, it's part of the job, right? Managing people, but even if you're part of a team, it's it's even in that way you have to manage people expectation. You have to manage uh, the way you work with people. So it's a different kind of managing. And I know when you talk about that, for like I'm not a manager, I'm not supposed to talk to other people, but you are since you're part of the team. Um, so it's it's a really kind of different dynamic, and you have to go through that if you want to build something uh, big uh, in the long term and, and making it last for for a while. Oh yeah, yeah, I really like that. It's, it really is, it resonates with me. So you're an engineer, you're a member of a team. You have to think about using your engineering skills to solve other kind of problem around the, around people and the organization of people. I, I think it's really interesting to see that 
how, how it evolves over time. And uh, what what would be the the advice that you will, you would have for junior engineers that are joining uh, an organization or maybe are just learning uh, software engineering uh, software engineering today? Uh, <clears throat> I, I think they're really like for me there are three aspects that you need to grow when you grow your career. Uh, which is a technical side of things, and it's usually the easiest one because that's most people they do that they do that work because they love it. They love doing engineering, they love computers, they love tapping on a keyboard. So learning new technical stuff, it's not really a problem. They do that naturally, and I uh, and I uh, meet a lot of engineers that are my age or older that are expert technically technically expert, and and they're great, and that's fine. But it's often not enough. Uh, there are two other components, which is what which I call like the business side of things. Because you can be very good at, at technical things, but if you don't understand your business and how business works, and that your time is money, basically, that you can't you, you can't spend a lot of time to do, for example, the perfect system if it takes twice or three times the amount of time that you need to do the feature we ask you for. Uh, you have to understand the context in which you do your work, which is the business, the company where you are, what the customer expects. Um, people, when they start, usually they, um, uh, they, they go through school where they learn a, a ton of things. They have a, a lot of time to do whatever they want, to do the perfect system, to, to you know tweak everything, every detail there. Uh, in real life, you can't really do that. I mean, we're not that rich in any business, uh, especially if you're a startup. I mean, when you were in a startup, Every decision that you make, everything that you write, every piece of code that you will have to write, maintain for the next month or so, is going to be a cost. So you have to think twice about whatever you do. And you have to understand all of that business side of thing if you want to be a, a great engineer because spending months and months rewriting something that did not, that, that was working just fine, just because you can do better, you can always do better. Like. So it's, it's something that you have to um, understand. I think it, it takes uh, times and a few years to, to grow that side and, and to start to be interested and to talk to, you know, other people in your company, like people selling your, your work uh, directly or indirectly. Uh, so, so that's the business side. And the last piece of things that is pretty important is like the most social side of things where you have to learn to work with other people, which is like uh, to understand all or of a thing, or, or you can chat with them, or you like basic things like if you if you don't agree with someone, are you going to handle that? Like, what do you do? Uh, are, you, are you able to like sit on your ego and say, okay, I'm right, I'm wrong, uh, uh, it's okay, it's not a big deal, I'm not going to fight for it because it's not worth it. All of this kind of, I would say, yes, social stuff where you have to interact correctly because it's, it's too easy to, to, to be in your own corner and, and not work with your team, but it's not going to work. Uh, you're going to be miserable. Everybody's going to be miserable. Uh, your team, your manager, everyone, and, and you can't do that. So you have to, to get out of your bubble and, and start actually realizing that you can't do things alone and that you need a team. The most important part of your company or the part of the company you're in is likely your team and the people inside and and the rest of the technical stuff it's it's what you may have fun with but it's not the biggest challenge uh, anymore yeah it's it's really interesting because that that you you started with the technical stuff and uh, <clears throat> I, I hear that a lot and there's a lot of uh, resources available to learn more technical stuff and yeah to, and I think improving the engineering practices are uh, it's really something important. But you're you're covering two other aspects: the business aspect and the social aspect. 
And I think it's really important. In the social aspect, I heard you uh, speak about uh, understanding people's preferences, how they work, how they think, how, they, how you can interact with them. And there's a lot around uh, managing yourself in a, in a way. Because you right. said, okay, if I don't like that person, there's maybe something I can do about it, uh, which is uh, something interesting. Can you tell me more? Yeah, so it's it's not that obvious. Um, we have this, done this thing when we, so I'm, I'm in a pretty new team at Datadog that started a year ago, and I was, um, I think, member number two of the team. And the team grows while I was uh, I was in it. And I think what we did from the beginning um, I mean, is that we started to write documents when we joined the team about how do you work with me when uh, people write, like you basically write uh, what you are. So it's a bit scary because you, you write things like, for example, I, I wrote, um, well, uh, um, I'm pretty, um, how do you say? I don't like to talk to people. Basically, if I'm around people for uh, too long, I'm an introvert. So if I'm, if I'm around people for too long, like I get exhausted and I, and I don't want to talk to anyone for a week. So uh, this kind of thing, and if you were able to explain that to, to other people, all of the things that or, or you work or you socialize or you interact with people, it helps a lot if people are take some time to read it, obviously, uh, and to have a chat around that document saying, okay, this is how I work. Uh, I don't like this. Uh, I can get angry pretty easily. If you see me doing that, please tell me, uh, blah, blah, blah. All of this kind of stuff, uh, it might help a lot to work uh, together. Then it's, it's more about, I think, um, what you tend to do when people tend to do when they are in a difficult situation with other people in the team that are to not try to solve it because it's not technical. So if they don't know how to solve it, they just give up saying, okay, I just wrote, wrote more code to solve it, whatever. I'll, uh, I don't care. I'm just going to, to not talk to that person. That's especially worse when you work remotely and, and during this time where everybody kind of work remotely uh, in, in IT at least. It's more and more difficult because you can't, you know, go around the desk and say, "Hey, by the way, can we have a coffee and talk?" Uh, you can't do that, so you have to do that over, over chat or whatever. And and people, it's pretty easy to not do that when you when you are uh, in a remote team. Uh, so it's it's even more difficult and worse if you if you don't try to solve it right away. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's all these kind of little problems that people tend to avoid and that you need to learn. And, and the only way to learn is to try to, to solve it and to make mistakes and to learn from them. Uh, I mean, I'm sure I did a lot of, of those mistakes and, and under pretty bad situation or not under them at all and leaving them roads and, and, and biting me later. Uh, no, I, I don't, um, I don't do that anymore. Like if I have a problem, if I see something, is not working in my team with a colleague. I'm just going to say, hey, we want to chat. And it's, I think I follow the, the same advice that you that you encounter if you if you read advice and people talking about like uh, marriages <laughs> or, or people living together. It's like, just talk, for God's sake, just talk. I mean, if you, you can solve any problem with anyone that is like most people in your company, like everyone, 99% of the people in your company, they are well-intended. They don't, they're not there to, to be a pain for you. They're not there to, uh, to destroy the company, they they are there for the same reason as you are. And they they want to solve problems. They want to make it work. So if you just go and talk to them and try to communicate, even if you are very different, you can find. I mean, you can find a common ground and and try to understand what's wrong. And and you can. It's a job of a manager in theory to help you with that too. I mean, to be a, a mediator if, if one is needed. 
So yeah, it's it's a lot of these things that you have to learn and you have to go through them. Basically, you can't avoid and 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 be beside your, I mean, behind your computer and and your keyboard saying it's going to be solved by by your technical stuff at some point or it's going to to go away. <laughs> yeah, so I, I love that. Uh, you 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 cannot expect that it will go away by itself. Uh, it will not be solved by any technical magic, and you need to manage yourself <clears throat> and to make sure that you assume a positive intent from our. Uh, uh, other people you yeah. are interacting with, and go talk to them. I, I like that. Uh, you, 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 I know that everybody is remote nowadays. <laughs> are you are you used to work remotely? Or is your team distributed already? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I, I've been working uh, at at Red Hat before for five years, where my team was fully remote, and when I joined Datalog last year. Um, so Datalog has not an history of being remote. They have offices. But it happened that like my, my director was in Switzerland, I was in France, and the rest of the team grew and everybody was scattered around Spain, Portugal, Canada, US, everywhere. So we just, I mean, we decided to be like a remote team anyway with no choice. So uh, so my team is still remote. I'm used to that for like years now. So I have, I have an office in Paris where I can go and I have a few colleagues there um, from my team. And but I actually barely go there, especially now, obviously. But uh, because I don't, yeah, I mean, I, I like the social stuff. But like I said, I'm, I'm pretty more an introvert, so going there like twice a week is way enough for me to talk to people. The rest of the time, I'm happy to, to be alone and, and work on my computer. So, but it's a balance, right? Okay, yeah, it's interesting. And uh, are you are you keeping the social contact with your colleagues uh, when you are remote, and how are you doing that? It's pretty hard, so it's pretty easy for people in Paris because I, I can just go there and have a coffee. Uh, for the rest of the team, it's more difficult, so we we tend to do like standups every every day. Um, and I think we, which is not really socialized, but at least we see the other guys uh, around. I think we use chat a lot. We use a lot of this uh, online chat to talk to each other. And what we do know that everybody is really remote, like even it's worse for people that are used to be in offices and never really worked remotely full time. So what we tend to do now is to do some kind of cafe where uh, we have like a, an open meeting uh, uh, twice uh, twice a day for the different time zone. You don't, you're not supposed, I mean, you can go to the two hours for sure, but you can just pick one and, and go there and chat about anything. It's like, uh, you know, the water cooler chat when you just talk about random things and you have fun with your colleagues for for half an hour or so and, and it's pretty cool because it allows people to meet and to chat and to discover each other outside of the context of solving problems uh, so you can talk about different things it's, it's also another thing that we that i discovered at um at datalog they have a, a ton of of chat channels where they talk about everything for example um, i'm a lot into cooking and and there's a cooking channel where i chat about cooking with other people from the company that I don't work with, which allows me to, you know, socialize with different people too from uh, outside of the of the of my team, which is pretty cool because you learn a lot of stuff about the rest of the business basically. So you have a pretty a better understanding of in which context you work. Excellent, excellent. I lo I love those. That could be really useful tips you can apply in a, in a lot of different contexts. You you wrote two books uh, about uh, Python. Why why did you invest so much energy in doing that? What were your goals? 
Uh, I think I did that because I'm, I'm, I'm a bit crazy, right? Uh, I don't know. <clears throat> I think it, it happened like, I mean, I remember where it happened. It, like um, seven years ago, I, I stumbled upon a guy that wrote a book and said, hey, I wrote a book and I made a lot of money. It's cool. You can do that. I was like, yeah, writing a book? It's no, it's, it's something like way too hard. So, so he wrote a book about writing books. So I read that and was like, but it's so easy to write a book. I mean, technically, you can do that, right? It's it's just open a, an editor, and then you just publish a PDF, and there are so many services online when you can print books yourself. It's it's easy, right? So there's no reason to not to do it. You, there's, technically, the problem is solved. Um, so at the same time, I wrote a blog post about um, about Python, uh, where I was explaining something pretty technical and, and pretty deeply, and, and people loved that, that, and there was... Uh, I had so many. I think it's still like seven years later. It's like the number one blog post on my blog. It's everybody loves that piece, and I'm like, well, people. I mean, they find that interesting, and and I know it's interesting because I I keep saying to other engineers, oh, you don't know about that. I wrote a blog post about it. You should read it, and I use that blog post so many times in code reviews <laughs> as a reference. Like, hey, here's it. It's how it works. You should read that because you made that mistake. Blah blah blah. Um. So it started by that, and I was like, oh, there's also this piece of information that I want to share because people that don't know about, uh, they don't know that about Python in general. I mean, um, doing a lot of code reviews in my case, um, it, it was like, I don't know, it's, it's, you see all of these mistakes in, in a sense, people, they, 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 they do small errors there and there because they don't know all the internal details of the language. They don't like, they write code that is not really optimized because they don't know this and that. And, Doing code reviews when you, when you know the things, it's it's a cool way to share your knowledge, but it's it's also very limited to the people that wrote the code or are going to read the code review. So it's it's not going to be widely read. And I was like, I need to, to publish that somewhere and to share it with the world. I think it's it's always about sharing, right? So I started that way, writing a second blog post about something else, and, and then I realized that I already I already wrote maybe five or six pieces that could be a bit more detailed and longer and could be entire chapters. And then I had my book, I made my first book. Excellent. You, you spoke about doing code reviews. Um, I, I assume it's uh, in the context of open source projects. Right. You learn by doing code reviews about common mistakes that people were, were doing. So it gives you the idea to, to write about it. So you, you don't have to repeat yourself and you can share the knowledge uh, a little bit more. This is interesting about working on open source projects that you you have to do reviews or you have to have your code reviewed. Can you give some advice to people that would like to to enter that world? What what they should do? Right. So you actually, I mean, when I started like doing code reviews, was a thing which is like it's more. There are more tools right now to do code reviews, so it's everybody's doing that. But I think like years ago, most people. They were just pushing their code and, and the code review was doing like after when you eat a bug and like, who wrote that? <laughs> it's full of bugs. So no, you do that before. So it's way better. And we have tools to, to make that easy. So that's great. Uh, so yeah, no, everybody does that, which, which is pretty cool because, and, and doing code reviews, like the way I, I started to learn, uh, coding 20 years ago and, and I was at still at high school. Uh, I discovered open source and I was uh, amazed by some people publishing their code outside because I didn't know you could do that. Like, you know, we live in a world where sharing that way is something that has value. We're like, well, that's, that's a bit crazy. And I was like, that's amazing because I, I can learn a lot of things. And if you 
open source project there are in general if you if you take big known open source projects out there they're really of pretty good quality uh especially if you compare it to cross source software or whatever you write in your company uh they are pretty good quality because the base is different people will take time to do the right thing if it takes six months to do it it will take six months uh, for a lot of different reasons, there is like less pressure and then people are really engaged and doing the right thing. So the code quality is really, really great. And when I started like 20 years ago, I actually spent a lot of time just reading code, uh, just reading, trying to see all the guy that wrote that or, or he or she thought about um, the architecture of a program, why uh they picked that library why they, they did that this way and and sometimes i do not have the, the the answer but you you know it just feeds your brain and your mind with that and later you stumble upon uh, another piece of code where you say, oh i already saw that somewhere i'm sure i'm sure and yeah yeah I, I wrote, uh, okay no i understand this because it, it's okay everybody does that, that this way for probably a good reason i don't know the reason and and years later you try to do the same thing and you realize that you fix the wrong architecture and you are oh i have this problem no i understand why they did that this way and i know what the solution is because i, I read that i read that like twice or three times already um and you can do that nowadays with code reviews if you do code reviews you can learn all of that knowledge if you review code from senior people and you should not be afraid to do that. It's, it's totally fine. I mean, nobody's going to bite you because you're just a junior, but it's a good way to like, if you have a, a senior engineer in your team, uh, that is smart, is going to see that if you ask questions in the code reviews um, because you don't understand something, it's because you don't know it or because it's not clear sometimes. I mean, we can write code that is not clear and obvious and, and uh, it's, it's not always uh, clear for everyone, especially if you, I don't know, write English and you're not an English speaker, et cetera, et cetera. So there's many reasons to ask questions. So code review is a good question not to, people think that code review is, is about like spotting mistakes and, and, and doing uh, finger pointing, which is not about that. It's about sharing knowledge. Like Mozilla wrote a piece of, about that a few years ago, if I remember correctly, where they were, they were doing a policy where you are, uh, you basically they wanted to have at least two, uh, people are uh, doing uh, the code review of any piece of code just to be sure that the knowledge of the change in the code was shared which is another aspect of the code review where uh, your team uh, is aware of what you're doing and, and why you're doing it if you just push your code without any code review nobody knows what you did um, so it's, it's a good it's a cool tool for a team to share uh, context and knowledge um, about, about the change, but the code itself and to learn how to be better at technical things, it's a it's a cool way to ask questions or to answer a question uh, and to explain what you what you do and why you do it. And and if you are reviewed by more senior people or people that know things you don't know about, you can learn a ton of things. So it's it's a really cool way to share knowledge, context, and and, and ton of things. And and I'm, I think I hope everybody does that nowadays, right? I hope so. Uh, I'm, I'm unfortunately not completely sure that it's true, but uh, uh, <laughs> they should absolutely yeah. do that. <laughs> um, I've, uh, I, I also saw that uh, you you worked on Mergeify. Right. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah. So, so Mergeify, it's uh, it's, a, it's a company and a, an open source uh, tool that uh, we started uh, a couple of years ago, where 
we um, so we we use uh, GitHub uh, with um, one of my friends for a few years, like like everybody does. And one of the things we were really frustrated about with uh, GitHub is that when you have a pull request that is open, and you know that it has been reviewed, it has been validated by another member of your team, and you have a CI that does test and the CI works, you know that the, the pull request um, is ready to be merged. But there's no way to automate that in GitHub. So you have to uh, wait for the review to be validated. You have to wait for your CI to finish, which can take five minutes to five hours, really depends on what you do. And then you have to get back to your PR, check that the rules are okay, that it's it's that the, the criteria that you define are okay and valid. And then you can press that big uh, green button merge. Uh, so we did that in an automated way. Um, and, and a lot of different things. So Merifab provides a tool where you can write rules that describe, for example, uh, your merging policy. Like if your team wants uh, to have uh, at least two people that reviewed and validated the code, uh, this and this test on the CI that passes, uh, this label, whatever you want, uh, you just define the rules and, and, and then the bot will merge the PR for you. And you can write a ton of other type of rules like adding comments, labels, whatever you want to, to your PR. So it's, it's basically a, an automation tool for the pull request on GitHub. Okay, thank you. I will I will put a link to that in the in the post so people can find all the references about the books and the, and that tool. That was uh, that was really interesting to see that we started to use that idea of uh, 10x engineers, and uh, we quickly admitted that it does not exist. They can see. Uh, in the way we are onboarding, or in the way we are training engineers today, in the way we are onboarding them in, in companies, uh, maybe we are missing the point by focusing too much on the technical aspects and forgetting about the other aspect that you mentioned, the business aspect and the social aspect of all what we are doing. And there's a lot around what you said in open source software and in the practices of reviewing and in the practicing of sharing your knowledge that met back learning social. Uh, which I think is really interesting. That's probably the underlying current under, underneath all what we, we said today. What, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. And I was thinking as you were you were saying that it's like, even I think we do a pretty poor job in general in the industry in hiring, where if you look at how people they hire engineers, uh, there's a lot of the things that are done on the technical side where you do coding interviews, uh, coding homework where you have to do that at home and then they ask you to solve puzzle on a whiteboard and, and then they, you just have one hour chat with, with a guy that says mm, you look nice and, and, and you look uh, I don't know you I, I could probably work with you and, and you know two so you hire and maybe you maybe you're not that good technically but you could learn because you're a junior and you don't know everything and you can't you can't solve puzzle right away but you're really interesting in learning. You are humble. You you can and companies when I, I see the hiring ecosystem out there, I don't really think they try to do that. They try to assess a lot uh, on the engineering technical side and not on the other side, which like does this guy is going to understand business or not? Is going to work with a team or not? Is he is he going to be able to work with his peers? Um, I don't think we're doing a good, uh, I mean, a good, a good thing on that. I think one of the reasons is that we tend to make engineers hire engineers. And if you feed any problem to an engineer, it will build something te technical. So building forms and, and problem and puzzles to solve, uh, which are either you fail, either you pass, 
is easier, like designing people like unit tests is going to be uh, easier to to decide if you want to hire them or not. Okay, so that's that's that focus on the on the, the technical aspect. That's a, that's an interesting aspect, and of course you need to to cover all the aspects in everything you are doing with people, which is really really interesting. I think we are going to the end of it. I uh, I hope I will hear from you uh, about the the book I shared with you earlier. Uh, I'm a software engineer and I'm in charge. Yeah, sure. So I, I expect we are, we will have a conversation about that uh, in a, in, a, in a few uh, weeks, maybe. Mm-hmm. Sure. Because there's a lot of things that you covered today that I hope are already visible and actionable in the book. So that's a, that's also something I, I would like to hear from you. Um, thank you very much, uh, Julien, for your for your time. Do you have any actualities or a- any things that you want to share in addition to? No, no. I think it's pretty it's pretty calm these days. Uh, thank you, Alexi, for for inviting me. It was nice to uh, talking to you with you. That was a pleasure. Thank you, Julien. This was an episode of Le Podcast. Le Podcast equips you to make a positive change in your organization. For more, connect to alexis.monville.com.